What we know is that all living things grow. One of the greatest evidences of life is when something is growing. Um, if you and I happen to hear of a child's life that gets cut short when they don't grow all the way to maturity, we consider that to be tragic. The same is true of us when we choose to be a follower of Jesus. If we don't grow to maturity, that's tragic. That's a tragedy. You and I, we were designed to grow. We were designed by God for him to work in us, to work through us, to provide us with the opportunity to grow spiritually. So when you and I decide to be a Christian, when we decide to follow Jesus, that's a decision, first of all, to accept his amazing gifts of forgiveness, of eternal life, of hope, of peace. That's all encompassed in that. But it's also a decision to strive to become like him. Not that we strive to become Jesus, but we strive to become like him. We work, we pursue to develop characteristics of Jesus. We strive to learn to love like him, to care like him, to pray like him, to serve like him, to give like him, to be patient like him. And the list would go on and on and on of attributes that we should be looking to. And that list would just carry on of things that we would be striving for in order to look more and more like Jesus. That's how we grow spiritually. Jesus is the most amazing model for us to follow, and he lived a perfect life. It's an amazing option for us to look to, and that should be the goal for us. But in order for you and I to grow spiritually, uh, it's going to require some intentionality. It's going to require some planning if we're going to make that happen. And if you and I were ever to decide to want to climb a mountain, or if we were ever want to climb a rock wall, it would require some planning. It would require some intentionality. If we were going to climb, we would need the proper gear. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is I'm going to really challenge you and push you to start growing spiritually, to really look to how can you mature in your faith. And along the way, my hope is to give you some gear, to help you figure out how you can begin to gear up so that you can really begin to climb this spiritual mountain, that you can begin to really grow more and more like Jesus. If you've been at Silver Creek very long, you know that we're very passionate we pursue a lot of reaching people outside of our church that don't know Jesus. Helping people outside of our church discover all that a relationship with Jesus could be. And one of the most powerful ways for that to happen is for those of us that are a part of the church to grow. Because as you and I allow Jesus to work in our lives, what that allows us to do is as we interact with people on a daily basis, they get to see Jesus in the way that we live, and then they're drawn to that. One of the early church pastors, a guy by the name of Paul, spoke about this topic. Um, it's on the screen. It's in your message notes. He said this. Paul said, We continue to preach Christ to each person, using all wisdom to warn and teach everyone in order to bring each one into God's presence as a mature person in Christ. We talk about a lot of things at Silver Creek, and there's a lot of important topics that we could cover. But the most important thing that you and I need to understand the most critical thing that you and I need to look to is Jesus. Anything else that we talk about is, is good, okay. But the most important thing that you and I can be doing is pointing ourselves in the direction of Jesus, pursuing him with all that we can so that we can reflect him in all that we do. The problem is there's people that go to church for years and years and years, and they're still super cranky. And they're self-righteous and they're jealous, and they're bitter, and they're horrible tippers. <laughs> Let me just encourage you to do this. If you go to a restaurant and you don't plan to tip well, don't pray. 
okay? Just don't make the rest of us look bad is really, I mean, I've actually heard of Christians that are like, well, I don't actually leave a tip. I leave a verse. I leave a little track on how to help them know Jesus. Please do not do that. Because really all you're saying is, I don't love you when you do that. The way that we live is so critical because it reflects who Jesus is. And according to this verse, our goal, our intentionality should be that every one of us would mature like Christ. In fact, as a pastor, I am accountable to God for your spiritual growth. So no pressure. um, (laughs) But if you don't grow, this is not going to be a fun meeting for me someday. So we need to get this right. I'm called to show you how to grow. I'm called to live as an example of that. I'm challenged to gear you up, get you the gear so that you can grow. I mean, that's why we do next steps. It's not just because I don't know how to end a message. We do next steps because the goal isn't for us to show up and sing some songs and and for me to feel good because you laugh at my jokes, which I appreciate, but it's bigger than this hour. Those next steps are what are begin heading us in the right direction. Those are your option to begin to declare what it is that you need to do. It allows us as a staff to be able to look through those things and see what God is doing in your life, see what God is challenging you to, to be praying for you along the way. Here's the exciting news. We're never done. You and I are never done growing. We are never done maturing. There's no, like, coasting into heaven. Take another look at what Paul wrote in another letter. He said, brothers and sisters, because of the Lord Jesus, we ask and encourage you to excel in living a God-pleasing life even more than you already do. Keep growing. Keep learning. Keep striving to live a God-pleasing life. Keep at it even more. Even more means never completed. Where are you at right now? Okay, even more. Where are you at tomorrow? Okay, even more. We should always be growing, always be striving, always be gearing up encouraging each other, challenging each other to excel at living. And again, a deep passion for us at Silver Creek and as a pastor is to reach people that don't know Jesus. But, but the whole thing isn't like, how do we just get people saved? Like, we want people to know Jesus, but that's just not the end goal. The end goal is that we would begin to know how to follow him. And my desire and our aim as a church, we want to be creating people that are fully devoted followers of Jesus. And we strive, and our, and our vision is that we would be creating opportunities for people to be transformed by God. And that transforming is something that happens over and over as we grow and as we develop. And it's something that should be happening in our lives again and again and again. But for that to happen, Silver Creek is going to help you. And for that to happen, as a pastor, I'm going to help you. And for that to happen, Elizabeth, as a pastor, is going to help you. And our staff is going to help you. But each of us individually has to make a decision to grow. Nobody can really be forced to climb a rock wall, right? Like, the person's got to decide to gear up. They have to decide to climb. Nobody can force you to grow. Nobody can say, you must mature. I mean, I can say it, but each of us individually have to decide, I'm going to gear up. I'm going to put on the necessary equipment. I'm going to make the effort. I'm going to decide to grow. So let's gear up. And to get started this morning, I'm just going to give you kind of this big overview 
of what spiritual growth looks like and what makes spiritual growth possible. And then we'll start to dive in over the next couple of weeks about some of that gear and what that looks like. And this morning, really, it's more like the pep rally, sort of like, yeah, let's do this thing. But before we go, I want to make sure we understand and don't buy into some myths of, the spiritual, of spiritual growth. Because there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of, lot of ideas about what will lead to spiritual growth. A lot of things that people just believe will help them. But unfortunately, these myths are a lot like the thigh master and the shake weight and the ab lounge. I don't know. You look at these up. But none of those will actually help you lose weight, right? They'll just take up space in your closet. They don't actually help you gain muscle. Those, those are physical fitness myths. So let me give you some spiritual growth myths. The first myth of spiritual growth is this. Uh, your myth number one is growth is automatic. So you can grow old, but never grow up. This won't just happen. You won't spiritually grow just by waking up another day. Even loving Jesus, this might sound weird, even just loving Jesus won't be enough to make you automatically grow. I mean, Again, it's good for you to love Jesus. And it's out of that love that we would be motivated to pursue growth. It's out of that love that we dive in and, and grow. And again, and again, my guess is a lot of you have run into an old Christian. And I'm just saying old person. But a person that's been a Christian for a long, long time. And they are miserable. That should not be the case. That's the sign of somebody that just thought, it's just automatically going to happen. I will just automatically mature. It doesn't work that way. It's a myth. Next myth is this. The myth that growth is instant. Understand there is no magic pill. There's no magic experience or event or book. It's not, it's not just instantaneous. It's a process. It takes time. It takes experience. Unfortunately, there's no richy rich like jump through instant change machine. Remember, you know, now I'm in my suit. Like, no. Spiritual growth takes time. Next myth is this. A lifetime of church attendance does not guarantee growth. Oh, I'm reading these backwards. My slide is backwards. Growth happens just by attending church. Not true. A lifetime of church attendance does not guarantee growth. I don't know if you've read this in the Bible. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. He did not say, I came so that you can go to church. Now, I'm a big fan of church. I, I think it's important. I think it's a critical I think there's people that call Silver Creek their church that should make it a greater priority in their life. But if just coming to church is where your thinking is going to cause your spiritual growth to happen, it's not. I mean, it's tough to grow if it's not a priority, but just coming to church won't make it happen. Which is why the next myth we have to acknowledge and recognize. The next myth is that growth can be obtained on your own. The reality is isolation doesn't equal holiness, just loneliness. We need people in our lives. We need people around us. And sometimes people are like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to hide out. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get tainted by bad people. Okay, that's just selfish and wrong. You and I are called to love our neighbors. We're called to interact with those around us that don't know Jesus. In fact, that's one of the most tremendous ways that you and I can grow spiritually. Because in that moment when we're interacting with people that don't know Jesus, you and I have to lean into Jesus even more than ever to let him help us guide our choices and guide our words and guide our thoughts to interact with people that maybe aren't all that lovable. We also need to be around people that can support us and challenge us spiritually. 
other followers of Jesus that can come alongside and say, hey, I'll get this, you can get this right. But what we have to recognize is that we're not meant to live life alone. The last myth is this. The myth is that growth can be measured by beliefs. The reality is that the demons believe in Jesus. So just if, just if you know a lot of Bible facts, if you're really good at biblical trivial pursuit, congratulations, uh, it doesn't mean that you're actually moving ahead. It just means you have a lot of beliefs. You have, to, you have to put it into practice. If you have the entire Bible memorized, good for you. But if it's not applied, it doesn't work. I mean, study the Pharisees. The Pharisees had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Jesus tore those guys apart. It has to be applied. And these are, these are all ways that sometimes we think lead to spiritual growth, but, but they're not necessarily the answer. I mean, we should be, have biblical understanding. We need to be in church, and we need to not spend time all, or we need to spend time alone praying. But, but all of these things, if they're just done in isolation, if we think just these are going to get it done, it's not going to work. The great news is that Jesus came along, and he gave us some ways to tell, to evaluate. Are we growing spiritually? He gave us some ways to measure if we're effectively moving forward, if we actually are gearing up and becoming more and more like him. Jesus described it this way. Jesus said this. He said, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. By their fruit, you will recognize them. An apple tree is not a mature apple tree until it starts producing apples. Somebody's phone's going off. I don't know if you guys hear that over here. Anyway, um, a tomato plant is not a mature tomato plant until it starts producing tomatoes. Okay, now, now somebody's actually talking on their phone over here, if you don't know that. Hey, come to church! Tell them that they're late. Second service starts at 11. You still got an hour. All right, all right, here we go. All right, anyway. Uh, apparently, I need to mature. Okay. Um, <laughs> we can evaluate our lives if it's producing. We see maturity. When we see that, when we begin to look at the fruit in our lives and see the things that are coming out of it, that's when we begin to say, oh, it's working. When we start to look at our lives and say, man, I am way able, I'm able to love more than I was able to love before. Are the words that I'm using still tearing people down or are they building people up? Are the patterns of my thought life moving me towards things that are good and towards things that are right? Have people around me been drawn to Jesus? Are the people around me more interested in hearing about him because of the way that I've lived? Is there more joy and less pain in the world because I've chosen to serve and care for those people in need? I mean, when we start to see those things in our life, we're like, I've geared up and I'm growing spiritually. And here's the great news. The best news of all is that you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else, just yourself. That's the comparison. Elizabeth, her youngest son, Caleb, is a swimmer. And uh, oftentimes I get to go to some of his meets, or we talk about his meets afterwards. And when we talk about swim meets, we, always, we, we rarely discuss the idea of where, what place did you finish in. Like, we don't really talk about it. First, second, third, we don't even talk about it. The conversation is, hey, how close were you to your PR? What was your personal record? How close did you come to your personal record? I mean, it's fun to compete, and certainly you want to win at swimming and that kind of thing. 
But the indicator of progress in swimming is your PR. If there is improvement, if there is good fruit coming from practice and from effort and all of those things, it will be seen in your PR. Growth for a swimmer is looking at your personal record, and is that improving over time? And then when a swimmer hits a new PR, they celebrate, and then it's the new goal. And how do we beat that new PR? So when we look at our life, it's not about, hey, what are they doing, and am I getting closer? It's, it's, am I moving forward? I shouldn't look at my life or shouldn't look at somebody else's life and say, well, I don't swear as much as that guy. Right? I should be looking at my life and saying, well, I don't swear as much this year as I swore last year. And then next year, I should be able to look at my life and say, I'm not swearing as much as I did last year. And just so you know, I'm like, this is not as much of a personal illustration. But, um, <laughs> and really, I mean, in that regard, our, our, our personal PR should be like a golf score, right? It should be getting lower and lower and lower. If we want to be more patient, don't, don't create Mother Teresa as your goal. We're not going to get there, right? Like that, don't let that be the level of patience that you're aiming for. Just decide, I'm going to be patient, more patient tomorrow than I was today. And then the day after that, I'm going to be more patient than I was yesterday. And then and you just create this personal record, your patience PR, and make that your aim. And that should be how it works in each area as we're producing fruit in our lives as saying, am I growing in that area? And measure your growth against yourself. Always striving to become more and more like Jesus, recognizing we'll never get there, but always recognizing we can be moving closer and closer and closer. So to sort of help set the foundation for the rest of this Gear Up series, what I want us to look at and what I want us to take home today is that there are eight laws of spiritual growth that will lead to producing fruit in our lives. And really, with everything that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, these are the pillars behind all that allow us to grow. These realities that we're going to look at as spiritual leaders, these are what we're aiming to make a part of what we do. These are the things that we're going to point you to over and over again, and we've been doing it for a while. We're just going to talk about it a little bit, but these are the things that begin to help the direction of each of our lives be producing fruit and moving forward. Good news is there are eight. We're going to run through them really quickly, okay? The guys in there are like, how many slides do we have today? <laughs> a lot. They had to warm up their fingers. Okay, first law is this. First law of spiritual growth is that spiritual growth has to be or is intentional. It can't be accidental. If there's going to be spiritual growth, it has to come from intentionality. You have to have intentional presence to grow. You have to make a choice. You have to make intentional effort if growth is going to happen. Never in the history of the world has somebody slipped, stumbled, and fell their way to the top of a rock wall. It's never happened. I mean, people have slipped, stumbled, and fell to the bottom of a rock wall, but nobody's ever fallen up a rock wall. It's always required intentionality to gear up, to put on the right equipment, and then begin to climb. It will only happen when you and I choose to pursue Jesus you are only as close to Jesus as you have chosen to be. None of us can point at anybody else and say, well, it's because of them that I'm not closer to Jesus. It's this situation in my... I'd be closer to Jesus if this hadn't happened to me. We can say those things and we can try and blame other things, but ultimately it comes back to an intentional choice by each of us to pursue Jesus. 
Each of us have to desire to create a plan to grow. Another letter to the early church said this. It said, our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground and building lives of obedience into maturity until, we finally, until finally we all believe and become full grown in the Lord. Yes, to the point of being filled full with Christ. Silver Creek, we work to create and supply and clear the ground and allow you access to begin building to maturity. And a huge part of what, how that works and what begins to allow those tools to take place and allow that ground to become part of our lives is by you and I making commitments. A huge part of growth in your life are commitments. Each week, every time, we try and challenge you to go deeper in your commitment and then a deeper commitment, recognizing that all of us are at different places. But we're going to challenge you again. And, okay, take a, take a deeper commitment. Now take a deeper commitment. When you look through the next steps, you can see that there's a progression because we recognize everybody is at a different place, but each of us need to take a deeper commitment. That's why sometimes you show up on a Sunday morning and it's not very fun to listen to what I have to say. That's because God's using the words that he's laid on my heart to dig into your heart, to dig into your mind, to cause you to say, I got to take a deeper commitment. And deeper commitments usually make us a little bit uncomfortable. Suddenly we get challenged to volunteer more, join a connect group, change something that we're doing in our life, show up to church more often, financially invest, invite a friend. So many different areas where we're challenged to take a deeper commitment, but those deeper commitments are part of that intentionality that will produce growth. Next law is this, is that spiritual growth is incremental. It's truly not a problem that it's a progression, that it's a step by step by step. A verse in Hebrew says this, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. He's not saying it's wrong for you to be a baby, spiritually, because at some point all of us are a spiritual baby, right? There's nothing wrong with that. There's that moment for, for, where, where first we begin to, for the first moment, begin to recognize, I need Jesus. Like, that's kind of the first step. And, and typically when we decide that we need Jesus, we, we don't really know that there's much more than that. We're like, it's all I know. It's perfect. She can't stay there. Because over time, we should begin to have these incremental steps of growth where we hear something or we read something or we serve in some way and, and we suddenly begin to have these little moments of step. Oh, and then step. A new idea about how we should treat other people or how we should respond to different situations. An understanding of how Jesus would treat others or how Jesus would respond in a different situation and then incremental growth takes place. I mean, we can't remain infants, right? We can't just stay there. If anybody meets a baby and they're like, how old's your child? 20. Well, there's a problem, right? Something incremental has to take place. There has to be growth. And as I mentioned before, it's a commitment on top of a commitment on top of a commitment on top of a commitment and taking those commitments. And over time, growth will begin to happen. And it won't be immediate. I mean, go back to the idea of a kid. We don't, we don't expect a kid to be a mature adult. We give them like 18 to 20 years. And now we're giving them longer, right? Like it's... <laughs> It's not a rush, not an issue for there to be incremental growth. 
Next law is this, is that spiritual growth requires personal investment. And what that means is not only do you have to choose to give effort and choose to give commitments, but it's recognizing that, that for each of us, it's going to look differently. And your personal investment is going to include what your background is, what your education is, the family that you came from, your experiences. Those things all shape who you are, and they all impact your personal process because it impacts what you know and how you respond and areas that you go through and struggles, and all of that is unique to you, and all of that is unique to me. But what's so important to understand is each of us have to take a personal ownership. The church is going to come behind you, and the staff is going to come behind you, but you have to decide that in spite of everything else, you're going to be personally invested in your own spiritual growth. 2 Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians says, examine yourself to see whether you are living in the faith. Test yourselves. You and I have to choose to be present in our own process. We're going to lean into the church. We're going to lean into others. We're going to lean into resources that are available. But ultimately, the responsibility for each of us is individual. The number one indicator that will determine your spiritual growth the number one thing that will determine whether or not you draw closer to Jesus is the amount of personal investment and responsibility that you choose to give it. The amount that you choose to invest in that process and how much you're willing to take on the opportunity to make growth a priority falls on you. Next law is this. Spiritual growth is practical. There's some really good habits there's some really good disciplines that we can apply to our lives, and it doesn't have to be complicated. Recognize this. God's greatest desire is for us to know him and for him to know us and for us to recognize that relationship. And it takes effort and it takes planning, but it's very practical because God realizes that we're not that smart. We're pretty simple. So when God created this way for us to have a relationship with him, he didn't create some crazy labyrinth or any like special knocks or handshakes or clicking, oh, he's in. Right now, it's not, there's nothing. There's just some really good habits. There's some really good things that we can develop. Then when we begin to include these in our lives, when we begin to make these habits a part of who we are, I guarantee you they will always lead to growth. Primary example, oftentimes it's called a quiet time or devotions or basically if in your life, if every day you set aside time to just be alone with God, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it doesn't have to be grand, it doesn't, have, it doesn't even have to, you could do this wrong and it'll work. Just read your Bible. Ask God, what do you want me to know? God, what do you want me to be aware of? God, here's some things that are on my heart. That's not complicated, that's practical. If you spent 15 minutes every day with anybody, you'd become more like them. If you spend 15 minutes a day with Jesus, you'll experience growth because you'll become like him. Here's what happened in the early church. It says this, it says, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. It wasn't that they thought Paul was messing things up. They were just like, hey, let's dig into that. Man, I hope that after I talk on a Sunday morning, you show up eager to listen, and then I hope you go home all week and you search it out. 
Not because you're trying to prove if I'm wrong, you're just trying to dig into it yourself. That's a habit. That's a habit of, of listening, eagerly listening. That's practical. And then the habit of going home and day after day searching to confirm and support and hearing. It's practical. Spiritual growth doesn't have to be this mystical, strange thing. It's very practical. And the more consistent that you and I can be in those habits, and we're going to talk about those habits in the weeks to come, but those habits, if we can begin to make them just a consistent part of who we are, we will begin to readily see progress in our spiritual growth. Fifth law is this, and that is that spiritual growth is relational. You and I will only grow if we're in community with others. You, the Bible, and Jesus will only get you so far. I mean, it'll be great, but it won't get you where you need to go. Because a huge part of us growing in our relationship and our understanding of who God is, is learning to love and learning to be loved. I think you're all aware of this, but people that hang out on islands by themselves in isolation go crazy and talk to volleyballs. <laughs> right? I mean, go watch the movie or tell your kid what that meant. But, and it doesn't mean that you have to know everybody. It just means you need somebodies. We've talked about this before, and you've probably heard me say this. Our goal is not for you to know everybody at Silver Creek. Actually, we, we hope you know five to seven people really, really well here. You know, most of us don't have time. Most of us don't have the capacity to know people beyond that number. The challenge out of the book of Hebrews is this. It says, let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. That's why connect groups are so huge. This is why finding a place to volunteer is so important, because it's within those connect groups and it's within volunteering and serving with others in the church. That's where we get to be concerned for one another. That's where we get to love each other. That's where we get to encourage other people. Here's the reality. You can't be concerned for everyone in this room. I'll just tell you right now, I know a lot of the stories in this room, and if you were concerned for all of them, we would all be massive stress cases. We would be dying of heart attacks left and right because we would all be like, oh, and oh, and ah, right? Wouldn't work. And if you, all of us tried to encourage all of us, it would be very limiting and not very impactful. But when you're in life together, now you can come alongside and you can encourage it and you can strengthen and you can love at a deeper level. But you and, you and I, we were designed to live and grow in relationship and not do it alone, but to connect to others. Next law is this, that spiritual growth is multidimensional. Around Silver Creek, we, uh, we've identified and we talk a lot about our five core values. And our five core values are to invite, to serve, connect, worship, and train. And essentially, we've got those five core values, and our aim is that everything that we do within the church is going to accomplish one of those. And if ever there's a thing that we're doing that's not accomplishing one of those, then we just cut it. We also make sure that we're hitting each of those five core values. So if we're missing one of those, then we're going to build something in to hit that. But the same is true in our personal lives. Each of those things, train, serve, invite, worship, connect, all of those should be happening in our lives. And when those are happening, it's multidimensional and we begin to grow spiritually. If you just do one, it doesn't work. If you just train, it doesn't work. If you just invite, it doesn't work. You've got to do all of them. 
And in the beginning, I said there's a way that we can know that we're growing, and it's when we begin to produce fruit and when we begin to be multidimensional. The Bible actually defines what a multidimensional growth would look like and what happens in our life when all five of these things are happening. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Bad news, you don't get to pick your favorite and just run with that one. Really good news, your spouse doesn't get to assign the one they think you most need to develop. So if anybody just elbowed anybody, you're like, get off my back. We don't get to find the one that we think is easiest. Nope, all of them. Each one of these should be developing. Each one of these should be working in our life. We should be growing and becoming more and more like Jesus. The longer that we know Jesus, the more the things in this list should be developing in our lives. The more that these things should be happening, the more we should be able to respond to these things and respond to people with these things in mind. And a tremendous way to see, am I growing is, am I producing this fruit in my life? And that's what begins to reveal maturity. Last two laws are this. Second, or seven, number seven is that spiritual growth is seasonal. I hope that this removes a ton of guilt and pressure. Recognize nobody grows constantly. Nobody's just on this constant upward trend. I mean, you know, it should be this kind of a business. But our growth, our spiritual growth will go in spurts. We'll grow a bit, and then we'll kind of level off. And then we'll grow a bit, and then we're going to level off. I mean, plants, right? Nobody, nobody expects their plants to grow in the winter, right? Plants grow in the spring, and they grow in the summer. There might be some weird plant that grows in the winter. I didn't look it up. But anyway, like, like nobody goes out to their tree in the middle of the winter and like, where are your leaves? Come on! Like, it doesn't happen. That happens in spiritual growth. In spiritual growth, there will be seasons of summer and spring where we're learning and moving and discovering and figuring out how to live more and more like Jesus. And we're like, <laughs> and then there'll be seasons of fall and winter. Don't be discouraged by fall and winter. Fall and winter are an amazing opportunity for us to dig our roots in deeper. And sometimes it feels like God is far away, and sometimes it feels like God's presence isn't there. But in those moments of fall and winter, that's the moment to lock into the habits more than ever. That's the moment to grab those habits of disciplines and say, I'm tying in. Because when we tie in hard during the times of winter, when we hit spring and summer, all of a sudden it's just like, wow. And solid growth takes place. And we don't have to be worried if we're not constantly growing because spiritual growth is seasonal. The Bible tells us this. The Bible says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And it's true of spiritual growth. So you don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to doubt God's presence in your life. Don't give up. Just stay tied into what you know is right, to the things that you know have been beneficial, and then trust that everything has a season. Even spiritual growth has a season. Now the last law which is truly the most significant, most impactful spiritual growth law is this. Spiritual growth is incarnational. And basically what that means is that spiritual growth happens because Jesus Christ is in you. Jesus Christ is living within us. The book of Galatians is super clear about it. Paul wrote this. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself 
for me. I've said it a bunch this morning, but our goal, our aim, if we're a follower of Jesus, is to become more and more like him. And the most amazing resource that we have in becoming more and more like Jesus is to recognize that Jesus takes residence in our heart and our minds. And each time that there is progress in your spiritual growth, the work that ultimately was done was God doing something supernatural in you. It's our responsibility to give effort, to make time, to establish commitments, to respond to challenges. But the transformation that happens in our life, it's always Jesus. The change that happens is always because God has done something in us. We step into the process. We make ourselves available. And then Jesus does these incredible things in our lives. I mean, look through the fruit of the Spirit again. Those are not natural. Maybe with people that you like, they're natural. But there's people that I like, and I don't even naturally respond to them that way. It's not instinctual. So when God grows love, when God grows goodness, when you and I become more faithful, that's Jesus doing transformative work in our life. That's Jesus working to produce the fruit of the Spirit, and that spiritual growth that's happening is because the God of the universe has been invited and now takes up residence in our life. So let me just challenge you. Don't miss the rest of the series. I know we put it online, and you can go listen there, and I hope you do if you can't make it, but be here. So I think when you're here, when you take the opportunity to be here, God does something unique in that moment, and he challenges us in deeper ways to learn and to grow and, and to gear up. So be here so God can begin to create in your heart and your mind a deeper level to do what only Jesus can do in our lives and in our hearts. And each week we put in your program these next steps, connect cards, and we challenge you each week to think through, what is it that you're going to do? What's your next step based on what you've heard this morning? So maybe your next step this morning is to determine if you're growing spiritually or if you're losing ground. Are you growing or are you losing ground? Maybe your next step is to identify the myths that you've bought into as truth. Maybe your next step is to spend some time and evaluate where you see evidence of fruit being produced in your life. Maybe you just need to take some time this week and spend some time thinking about the eight laws of spiritual growth. Again, I just challenge you to be here for the rest of this series and stay plugged into what it looks like. If you're here this morning and you're like, uh, I don't even know Jesus, I would challenge you on that card. There's a place that you can indicate that you want to know what it means to know Jesus. I'll send you an email, but then let's talk about it. And in fact, if you're here this morning and you're like, I want to know Jesus and I've never, I've never done that, can I just invite you to do that now? As we pray in just a moment, what you're going to do is you're just basically going to say, Jesus, I recognize there's sin in my life. I don't understand what all of it means. I don't understand all of this spiritual growth thing that he just talked about. But what I do know is I need you in my life. And Jesus, would you come into my life and would you be real? And would you begin showing me what it looks like to live a life that brings honor and glory to you? Let's pray. As we pray, if you'd haven't invited Jesus into your life, you can just follow the words that I'm about to say in your heart and in your mind. Jesus, I recognize I need you. I recognize that there's sin in my life, that I've made choices that have broken relationship between you and me and broken relationship with other people. And that's the sin that I want you to take care of, and I recognize you died on the cross for me. 
and that I can be forgiven of all of those sins. Jesus, would you come into my life right now? Would you help me understand how to live and act and respond to situations and to people in a way that reflects you? Thank you that you love me enough to die for me and that you conquered death and rose from the grave. And now I get to know life, both eternally and now here on earth. Jesus, would you help all of us to have a greater desire, a greater commitment to gear up, to take the necessary steps, to be willing to make the hard decisions that will allow us to begin to spiritually grow, to become more and more like you, and to have a greater understanding of what it looks like to live each and every day reflecting you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.